So tis the season, right? It's definitely feeling like Christmas, and we're continuing our sermon series today, our Advent series that's called His Kingdom is Forever. And for the past couple weeks, Joby laid out the groundwork on what is the kingdom, and last week even continued the series on sort of this uh, middle of the trilogy story about how we are this in this place in the kingdom of already, but not yet. And uh, today, or actually, sorry, next week, Joby's going to be preaching on and ending the series, and his end goal basically being making room and preparing room for the king. So if our end goal is that, then that's what we're aiming for this week. And so today, uh, I just, I know that this time of year is both a mixture of a couple things for me. It's both anticipation I'm super excited. I can't wait for Christmas. I know for a lot of us it's not, though. It could be bad anticipation for whatever reasons. And um, this morning I actually had a bad anticipation. I was needing my shirt ironed in this area right here. So my wife helped me and grabbed the iron. And as she was ironing it, I went, ow! And I anticipated a burn. I didn't get burnt. Have you ever done that? Where you anticipate something to happen, but it actually didn't even happen? Ow! She's like, did I get you? I'm like, no. <laughs> that wasn't planned. That just happened right now. There's good anticipations and bad anticipations. I'm getting really excited about the new Star Wars movie that's coming out. I don't know how many Star Wars fans. There are probably three of us. I don't know. Probably preaching the wrong crowd here, but... I'm so excited about this movie coming out. It's coming out Friday. We got tickets already. Anyways, anticipation for something brings, should bring most of the time, joy. We get excited. We get hopeful as we look forward to these things. But to get excited to anticipate these things, it's not just an anticipation. Hopefully, we're actually making space and making room for what we are excited about. And so the question leading to this Christmas that I want to pose today is how do we begin to make room for Jesus this Christmas? We're only 10 days away now. How do we begin to make room for Jesus this Christmas? And so before I answer that, and I go down this road, I just want to pray for my words for your ears. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for this Advent season. Thank you that we get to celebrate the arrival, the baby, the word made flesh. We get to celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, as we this morning are submitted under your living word that is living, that is active, that is sharper than any double-edged sword, I pray this morning for conviction, but also encouragement. I pray that we leave walking with our heads, heads held high this morning, believing in your promises and in your truth. We ask for the Holy Spirit to move this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So right, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. We're going to be camping out in verses 1 through 3 today. It should be right behind me too. So Matthew 3, 1 through 3 says, And those days... John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
For this is he who was spoken about of the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. This is John the Baptist. Most of us know about John the Baptist, the guy who is paving the way for the Lord. He was making a way and had one message. If there's one word when you think of John the Baptist that you think of, I don't know about you, but the word I think of is repent. He says, repent, for the kingdom is at hand. Repent, the dawning of a new era is coming. Repent, the king is here. Repent and prepare him room. And John isn't the only one in the word that talks about repentance. Repentance is one of the biggest themes of the Bible. And Jesus himself said the exact same message, exact same phrase in Matthew 4.17, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The word is clear that the first step, if we're going to prepare room for the Lord to show up, even for Christians, for Christians and for non-Christians, our first step is repentance. This is true for salvation, and this is true for sanctification. This is true for the lifestyle of the Christian. So, before I get too far, I want to define what repentance is and what it is not. First, what repentance is not. So, confession alone is not repentance. Simply admitting, I've sinned, dot, 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 and you say it, that's not repentance. That's not all it is. Saying, I'm sorry. So I love when the Holy Spirit convicts me of sin. But that's not repentance in and of itself. Regret is not repentance. So regrets. I think we've all had regrets, right? As I think about some of the biggest regrets in my life, I remember when I just got my license and I hit a parked car. Pretty proud of that one. That's sort of a regret. Other times, I regret the way I performed in a work day. I left work, I drove away, and I was just, I regretted the way I worked. I didn't work as I was working under the Lord. There's so many things that I wish I had, done, had not done in my life. Terrible, wounding words that I spoke, sarcasms that I said to my kids, confidence that I had betrayed in my life. Just dark lust that I've even indulged in in my life. So many things that I regret. We're supposed to feel regret. To feel sorry for the evil things that we do. We're supposed to have that. But not all regret leads to repentance. You remember Peter and Judas. How could we forget those two guys? The biggest important names and one of the most important stories ever told. Where Jesus is on trial to be crucified. And both sinned against Jesus in this moment. You had Peter who denied, and you had Judas who betrayed, right? In Matthew chapter 27, verse 3, it records this about Judas. It says, Judas, his betrayer, this is Jesus' betrayer, he saw that Jesus was condemned. He changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests, and to the elders. He said, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. That actually does not sound like the Judas 
we know. He says, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See it to yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed. So here, Judas, the Judas that we always call the betrayer, he's actually feeling remorse here. He's regretting what he's done. We see that he's confessed and he's brought back the money. Judas is confessing, right? At least it it sounds like it. Judas feels bad. Judas is even being what we all love in 2019 church community. Transparent. He's keeping it real. Another thing, another thing that repentance is not. It's not simply being transparent. Let me explain. Growing up in the church, I saw a lot of hypocrisy. I didn't see very much transparency. People being authentic. And maybe I was at the wrong church. Maybe I was in the wrong crowd, but I didn't see it. Maybe I wasn't close enough. I don't know. And I think that wasn't a super unique experience from the conversations that I've had with other Christians during that time. And so it seemed like what happened with the church about 15 years ago, maybe it was a little longer, but that it it swung over from, we don't want to be hypocrites. We want to be transparent. And so I kind of noticed this because, you know, we all don't like fake people, right? Nobody likes a fake person. So when I became a Christian, I just remember from the starting gate that I was going to be open and honest and I was going to be transparent. And so a few months back, I started to notice that I was confessing a lot. But I noticed also that I was doing it so I would feel better. And I wanted the guilt removed. And so I noticed that I would do this whether I was here at the pulpit whether I was in community group, whether I was in a fight club. And I almost wore it like a badge, like this badge of transparency, almost like a robe of righteousness. Like, look at me. I'm so holy. I'm transparent. And Jesus, I'm hearing him say to me, Eric, woe to you. You Pharisee, you hypocrite, you're like a whitewashed tomb. Without outwardly, maybe outwardly, I look beautiful, but I don't know about that part either. And inside, full of dead people's bones and uncleanliness. So confessing sin can make us look good. It actually makes us look good sometimes in the Christian circle. We figure out the Christian language and then we figure out that, oh, wait, if I confess and if I'm transparent, then I look like I fit in and I look holy, right? Confession is good. It's good. I'm not saying it's bad. It's a good thing. But what I'm saying is that confession is the beginning of repentance. It's not the end. We begin with confession, and then we put in the work, and we make war on our sin. And I act like I simply, like simply being sorry about my sin, I act like that part is the end goal, as long as it makes me look holy. I don't want to simply be transparent. 
I need to daily repent of my repentance. Being authentic and being real, it's a great thing. But no, it isn't the end. It's the beginning of repentance. Church, we confess so that it leads to repentance. Transparency, it should lead to true, authentic transformation. So, if that is what repentance is not, then what is real godly repentance? So we looked at Judas. Now let's look at Peter. Peter. Peter just denied Jesus three times. We're picking up right there in the story. Peter denied the king. He's filled with regret. We saw that Judas was also filled with regret. But Judas feels regret that leads to what? For him to hang himself. There's the difference between godly sorrow, meaning godly repentance and worldly regret that leads to despair. In 2 Corinthians 7.10, Paul says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. See, repentance is a change of a mind and a heart. It leads to salvation without regret. It leads to change with no guilt. Peter changed. We know this about Peter. He changed. This isn't the end of Peter's story. He gets reinstated and then preaches and 3,000 people get saved. Here it says in Matthew, and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus. He remembered the saying of Jesus. So important to remember the sayings of Jesus. And he, Jesus told him this, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Peter had an inward godly transformation starting in his heart. And it was an ongoing process for him. See, repentance proclaims to hell and to sin, I want a divorce. True repentance causes us to turn from sin and kneel before the king. Godly and true repentance is the evidence of the Holy Spirit revealing the truth of the blood of Jesus that has woken us up, that has made us alive, and that has brought forgiveness True repentance sounds like David in Psalm 51. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. And cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. But restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And uphold me with a willing spirit. On this verse, Charles Spurgeon says this, he says, do not sit down and try to pump up repentance from the dry well of a corrupt nature. It is contrary to the laws of your mind and suppose that you can force your soul into that gracious state. Take your heart in prayer to him who understands it and say, Lord, cleanse it. Lord, renew it. Lord, work repentance in it. The more you try to produce regretful emotion in yourself, the more you will be disappointed. And he ends by saying, however, 
if you believingly think of Jesus dying for you, repentance will burst forth. So please don't mistakenly hear me today say that if you repent, he accepts. We don't go to Jesus once we are clean and perfect. No, we come to Jesus when we are poor, wretched, dirty, and blind. We come to Jesus, come to the throne of Jesus as starving peasants. Asking, pleading for him to create, to renew, to restore. This type of brokenness, this type of transparency, it leads to transformation. This kingdom mindset causes us to repent, to bear much fruit, and it causes us to live lives that are actually worthy of the kingdom of God. To restore. To restore what in us? The joy of our salvation. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Starting in verse 9. Sorry, starting in verse 13. Verse 13, and it should be on the screen in back of me. 13 and 14 says this. He, this is Jesus, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Church, he has. He has. Jesus has freed you from the domain of darkness and transferred you to his kingdom. Jesus has now and forever changed our eternal state. He has forgiven you. He has redeemed you. Brothers and sisters, he has done the work. It is finished. Church, we are called out into something and been brought into something. This is the gospel, and when it's properly understood, transforms our hearts. This happens daily, and this causes us to live lives under our new citizenship. This causes us to not desire the dark. This causes us to actually hate what we used to love and love what we used to hate. And remembering this truth causes us to get off the throne and get into the mission field. This helps us to crown our king. This causes us to proclaim the kingdom of light. And understanding and believing this truth causes true godly repentance. It causes us to flee and pursue. So how do we repent? How does this happen when we see this gospel? And what's my hope for today? What I want to leave you guys with, and though I'm not done, ask that question. 2 Timothy 2 22 says this so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness faith love and peace although with those who call on the name of the lord from a pure heart flee youthful passions in other words run and john says in chapter 3 verse 8 this is later on john the baptist says this bear fruit in keeping with repentance repentance is continual It's something we do daily. But what do you need to flee from today? Church, we flee. We flee the dark because it hijacks our brain. We flee the dark because it's so costly. We flee because I can't simply walk away from it. I have to run away from it because it's deadly. 
We flee because it leaves us empty. We flee because it makes our whole bodies ache and our bones hurt. We flee because we actually hate what we're loving in that moment. We flee because the dark makes us depressed. We flee because we feel like failures when we're in it. We flee because we love our wives, men. We flee because we love our kids. We flee, I flee because I love Life Mission Church and I love you guys. We flee because sin is a roaring lion seeking to devour us. We flee because it smashes our faith. We flee because it makes us self-absorbed. We flee because we want our lives to glorify God. We flee because sin is a big murderer coming into our house to murder our kids and us. We flee because it dishonors our king. We flee because we want to be examples of Jesus. We flee because it ruins our witness. We flee, but we also pursue. See, we don't flee and we don't run to something else. No, we flee whatever sin we're dabbling in and we pursue righteousness. We pursue the light. We pursue faith. We pursue the Lord. And as Casey said earlier, we're, we're rooting ourselves in this gospel through the word of God, the word, the word that says this, Psalm 119, how can I keep my way pure? How can I stay on this track? By guarding it according to your word. Lord, it's with our whole hearts we seek you through his word, through his word, through our prayers, we pursue the Lord. Pray that his kingdom would come, that his will would be done on earth, in Escondido, in our family lives, at our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. We pray that his kingdom would become. We pray for salvation to be restored in our hearts and our lives. We pray for those. We pray for the lost. I'll say something, the lost isn't this word, this vague word, lost. The lost are people we love, the people we know in our lives. That I pray, we pray, we are praying for every single day. And like I said recently, I realized that my confessions were not leading to a broken and contrite heart. But God has been moving. Got good news that God is faithful. He has been moving. He's been restoring. I'm not ever going to be there. But recently, uh, just through prayer, through create, restore, through building good habits in life, through being honest, through being transparent, but not ending there, through fasting, every Tuesday fasting, breakfast and lunch, from the phone all day, it's been working miracles. It's been creating the space and room for the king through prayer journaling, through baby steps one day at a time is how God moves and works in our lives. So we pursue the Lord by being on mission with him and we pursue the Lord by being in godly community. Because 2 Timothy 2.22 says this, with those who are called, with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. This is a godly community that we are to be a part of, to exhort one another. Because repentance is out of your scope by yourself. 
It's not something you're capable of doing. You need God and you need people to truly turn away and run towards flee, sin, pursue righteousness. So for me, I have things in my life that are totally out of my scope. I can't trim the trees. We have 20 trees in front of our house in the front yard and I can't trim those to make those look good. I had to hire somebody the other day. I needed help. I know there's parts of our lives that we need help in, that we have to reach out and admit our failures and be honest and transparent, but that is not the end goal. Pray we pursue, as we pursue righteousness, we pursue good habits that lead us to make room. And why? What is the end goal and the point? I want to go back to the original passage that we had of John the Baptist, and it says, prepare the way of the Lord. Not repent to look better, not repent to look holy, not even to repent to just simply remove sin. The point is to repent so that we could be on mission with God, to glorify God by making disciples that make disciples and actually accomplish the mission of our church and not be weighed down by our own sin. That we would love the Lord. We would pursue loving the Lord and pursuing others. Pursue loving your neighbor. Simple ways like asking them if you could pray for them. Having them over. Pursue the blessing of now being transferred from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. So that so that the joy of your salvation could be restored, so that we can go tell it on the mountain, so that Jesus, the King of light, could be exalted, so that Emmanuel, God with us, could be made known in your life. Let us prepare the way of the Lord, church. Let us make our path straight. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your convicting word that pierces the soul and our hearts. There's really bad news that Jesus said in Luke 13. Unless you repent, you all likewise perish. It is a hard truth. But Lord, there is so much good news. As Jesus said in Luke 5, 32, I have not come to call the righteous, but I've called sinners into repentance. And so whether you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I pray, I pray for your soul right now that you would turn from your sin, that you would repent of them, and you would turn to Jesus, that you would acknowledge him king in your life. If you don't yet know Jesus, I pray that you would just come talk to someone. Lord, we're, we're asking for hearts to be broken this morning. We're asking for your goodness to be made, revealed. That you, don't, you didn't come to condemn us. You came to forgive us. And you offer life and a life more abundantly, Lord. But it's only when we give up our life will we truly find it. So Lord, let us truly repent this morning.
of what we need to repent from and face you and be so encouraged by your goodness and your grace and your love towards us. We love you, Jesus, for coming here, for clothing yourself in flesh. The word made flesh. We celebrate you this Christmas season. So Lord, prepare our hearts to make room for you, I pray. And it's in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.